This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the This Week in Rays Baseball podcast. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Thanks very much for joining us on the latest podcast. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times with us in our last podcast. We really hadn't been through a major cut that did occur over the weekend. The Rays got down to 47 before we record this. And Mark also gave kind of his guesstimate in the latest Tampa Bay Times as to the opening day roster as we move a little bit closer. It's a little bit easier to be more accurate as we get even closer. And, and you had some interesting things in there. What were the, to you, Mark, the biggest things to touch on regarding the potential roster change or, or decisions over the next two weeks? Well, I mean, I think the obvious one, Neil, is, is that it still is clearly not known how that bullpen is going to look. I mean, we know the format. We know the, the model the Rays are trying to use. It's a little bit innovative with this four-starter, five-day rotation and, and kind of going with that bullpen day on the fifth day. And a key part of that is going to be who is in the bullpen, whom they can count on. And, and Kevin Cash was very transparent about this. He told us about a week or so ago that, you know, once they got to March 14th, March 15th, they were going to start really kind of focusing on these guys and who can bounce back sooner, who can be stretched out, who can give them, you know, two-plus innings versus a guy who can only give them one-plus innings is a big difference. So that's going to all factor into this. So I think that was part of it. You know, I think the other thing was, you know, we, you, when you're here every day, as you are, and you, you, you study this, you, know, you, you kind of get caught up sometimes from the small picture, but you take a little bit of a bigger view is they really have most of this team put together. There's really not a lot to be decided. I mean, I know Kevin Cash said, and we'll say again, they have a lot to figure out. And, and certainly, you know, for those bullpen guys, that is a lot. But otherwise, you look at this, I mean, they've established early on who their four starters were. And even though Jake Faria has struggled, they're going to stick with him. You know, kind of coming into camp, it looked like, you know, you had Brad Miller at first, and they got C.J. Cron, so you have some combination there. You know, Hechevria at short, Duffy at third, uh, Kiermaier in center. They got Carlos Gomez to play right. You know, we're being told Malik Smith will get a pretty good opportunity in left, although I think you're going to see Denard Span out there some. But, you know, how they use the piece is still to be determined. But the actual roster itself is pretty intact. It's really been just one job opening, and we've talked about it for a couple of weeks now, you and I have. You know, kind of this right-handed hitting outfielder that probably is an encampment. Brandon Snyder would be a good guy that could fill in, and you know, I wrote about him the other day in the Times, but probably doesn't give them the defense that they would need out there. And, you know, Jason Coates might have a little bit of pop, but I also don't think he's going to give them the defense that they would want. So that, 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 to me, I'm sorry, that to me is kind of, you know, the one position still to be filled. But otherwise, it's just a matter of how they're going to move these pieces around. And, uh, you know, Coates, obviously, coming off Tommy John's surgery, missed all of last year. I'm sure that plays into this, too. I mean, had it not been for his injury last year, he might have been in this role for a second year and then certainly less of a worry. You know, on the bullpen, I thought probably the most interesting thing that you touched on was Dan Jennings. And, and uh, Kevin Cash brought up yesterday that they were going to try him in a multi-inning role to see if he can do that. And isn't that partially due to the fact that Jose Alvarado, they see as an important piece that they'd like to have in that opening day bullpen? I think that very much is the reason for that. And in essence, if you wanted to kind of just put it in harsh terms, is Jose Alvarado is going to beat Dan Jennings out for that short left-handed relief job. And then the question is, do the Rays want to have, you know, the safety net of still having Jennings, you know, contain your assets, see if he can work in that role. I mean, I looked it up. He's had 
300 and some appearances in the big leagues and 34 where he went more than two innings. So that's not a lot of history there to work with. It happened once or twice actually last year, and obviously your pitch count factors into that. Two-plus innings at 30 pitches is a lot different than two-plus innings at 50 pitches, and that's probably even a better measure. So it'll be curious to see if that kind of experiment works or not, but you know, the safe way to do that for the Rays would be to keep Jennings and send Alvarado to AAA. But you know, there is a certain appeal, and you know, Alvarado really improved as the course the season went on last year. You know, and that's part of this that none of us can really relate to is you know, the decisions that they make, they make them, you know, for the, in theory, always the guiding principle is what's going to make your team better. But sometimes there's emotions, and then, you know, we all know there's business aspects to it too. But, you know, you hold back a guy like Jose Alvarado who really earned this spot, and, you know, does that send a message to other minor leaguers in their system? They have a lot of things they have to factor in when they make these decisions. And among the early decisions, and it wasn't a surprise, Diego Castillo was optioned to the to minors. And I would think at some point we're going to see him, and you're going to see a, a more of a power bullpen that the Rays will have going forward. Yeah, and, and similarly, I think you'll see Ryan Stanek at some point. So, you know, if you had a Stanek, Castillo, Alvarado, Alvarado group back there and you know if Colome were to stick around all season with the power game that he brings it could really be an impressive assortment and you know mix in Sergio Romo who's you know, kind of the master of deception there and things like that and you know we saw it I'm still amazed at the video of the Chaz Rose slider the other day it's on the, the heater blog on our tempbay.com website and you know it was a wiffle ball pitch so you know that you talk about giving different looks from a bullpen and things like that and, you know, the Rays have said all along they felt they could piece this together. A lot of these names people don't know, and, and there should be some skepticism, and there is, but it's going to be curious to see how this presents when they actually get on the field. And when you take a look at the, the lefty, I mean, the, the idea of putting Jennings in a multi-inning role, part of that is to balance the four guys that they'll have in these multi-inning roles. Ryan Yarbrough would seem to be an Anthony Bonder, a guy's competing, but, you know, they can't have all of them here. They need some guys to be insurance for starting, so they need to have some sort of balance in terms of the look of those four guys. Yeah, you know, I, I think if if you went into it and you said how would you best want to set it up you'd probably go two lefties two righties it allows you to flip a lineup around I mean when you know part of this isn't going to be like the key that you know we're going to be talking about if the Rays make the playoffs in October was oh remember how in the fourth inning they flipped some of those lineups around but you know on those you know Benjamin bullpen type days when they they run the group out there you know sure start a righty and then after three innings go to a lefty or vice versa you are going to force some teams especially those that are platoon laden to maybe make some decisions, and then you're going to come back two or three innings later and maybe go the other way. I mean, you know, if you start a righty, bring in a lefty, some teams take some of their bigger bats out of the lineup, then you come back with a righty to close out the game, maybe you do gain some type of slight advantage there. At the same time, I look at the Red Sox and Yankees. Look, you got to play them with the first 10 days, and you can't change your roster then. They're heavily right-handed. John Carlos Stanton, Gary Sanchez, um, uh, Aaron Judge, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, J.D. Martinez – they're pretty right-handed in terms of their strengths. Yeah, there's D.D. Gregorius, and there's some lefties mixed in, Mitch Moreland. But I wouldn't be shocked if they went three righties, one lefty, just because of the way their team's set up. See, that's the insight that you bring, Neil, because I hadn't gotten all the way through those lineups yet, and, and the thought that through, I was just trying to make sure I got through the Starbucks line this morning. So, But, no, that's a good point. And, and you know, they, they are going to have to be situational to a certain degree. And you know, the other way to look at that, too, is they're only going to need that, that fifth spot one time during that stretch of those first times. They do play four games against the Red Sox, and then they play the next day against the Yankees. So they'll need that fifth starter, quote-unquote. You can't do quotes on the on the mm -hmm. podcast, on the radio. You have to learn how to do that. i got to learn that one from broadcast school. But, yeah, they're only going to need that guy once. Then they're going to come out of that. They have an off day in New York. Then they play two in a row, one in New York, one in Boston. They have another off day. 
and then they go to Boston and they go to Chicago. So it, it, it's a little bit of a weird setup early on, which is exactly why they came up with this plan. There's that once they get to that first off day uh, in New York after they play the opener, which is going to be, I guess, kind of a big deal. That Stanton Judge thing. Um, they have eight off days in a 38-day frame, and that's a very unusual stretch. And I think they're the only ALEs team with that many off days. I'm still fixated on the fact that you got your Starbucks coffee, didn't give me a pastry. But we'll move from there to the other piece of this that I thought with all the off days was interesting. We don't know which day will be the bullpen day. We know it's likely Chris Archer to pitch in the opening game, but they could put the bullpen day on day two. They could put the bullpen day on day five. They could use it on day three, depending on how they want to use the other starters. You would have been a lemon pound cake guy, right? I don't know. I'm not quite. What were my other options? Yeah, I think I, I don't think you were like the little donut balls on the stick there. Um, no, I, I do think they're going to move it around. I don't think it's going to be day five. I mean, I, I was talking to we'll just say someone the other day, and they kind of alluded to there'll be a surprise or two in there, and I don't think that they're just going to go four and then go. And part of that is too. Here's another level again. We talk about the levels of complexity in these decisions that we all are guilty of ignoring and just you know why didn't you do this and this isn't the right move, but. You've got to, they've got to figure out they want to split up Archer and Snell at some point because those are the two guys that in theory are going to go deeper. So you want to kind of split them up so the bullpen can kind of get caught up in theory on the day's day pitch when they're more likely to go, let's say, seven innings than the other starters. They're going to be careful with Nathan Avaldi coming out of that second Tommy John surgery, pitching in cold weather early to start the season. So they're going to have to protect him. And look, Jake Faria is one of the biggest disappointments and question marks in camp right now. I mean, they're, he hasn't struck a batter out yet, Neil. I'm sure you're well aware of that. And, you know, five walks, batting average against him, over 500. And spring training sets don't matter to me, but they do matter when they're extreme. And in this case, that's pretty extreme to face 30 batters and not strike anybody out yet. So they don't know what they're going to get from Faria. they got to be careful with Valdi. You know, Snell's looked really good, and I think they're all counting on him being that guy he was last six weeks of the season. And Chris Archer most times is going to give you those six or seven innings. But that's a lot to manipulate. Kyle Snyder and Kevin Cash are going to have lighter color hair than they did at the start of the year. Not quite more Topkin here, but yes, it will be a little bit lighter. Mark, we appreciate some time. You've got a lot to get through as we get ready for opening day two weeks from today as we sit down. Sweet bun. That's it. Sweet bun for you. All right, that's Mark Topkin with his uh, recommended pastries for the day. We move on to our next subject in our podcast, which will be some interviews that we've done. He mentioned the wiffle ball by Chaz Rowe. I actually had a conversation with Chaz about his slider and about how he's prepped for the upcoming season. No, it was good. It was a great experience. You know, I came in and I went to, uh, went to Durham and I got to, got to deal with uh, Snyder, which is he's unbelievable. He you know, he, he, he doesn't push things on you, and he lets you pretty much be yourself. And I think that's huge for as a pitcher. And, you know, he's there to help you in any way you can. And uh, just carrying that over into the big leagues when I got called up, is, it was really nice. Tell me a little bit more about your experience with Kyle, because you've been with a number of different organizations. Does he compare to any pitching coach that you had before? And, and what if not, what makes him more unique? I don't think he compares to anybody. I think he's he's his own person, man. He's 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 unbelievable. Uh, like I said, he he doesn't push things on you. He doesn't try to change you. He lets you be yourself, and he's there to answer any questions. He he'll set out guideline for you, and if you want to follow it, you can. You know, and if if something doesn't work, and you can go back to him and talk to him. He's he's very easy to talk to. You uh, obviously had success with him last year, but also in September. 
was it nice, at least going through the off season, knowing you know that you were going to be with the same organization, the same club coming into this year? And how much does it help your mindset? You think going into 2018? It definitely helped because I've been bouncing around for the past four or five years. So just being that in that comfort zone, just knowing being able to take that deep breath and and come in and relax and have that confidence. How much? What types of things did you do to kind of prep for this year? And is it anything different than maybe what you've done in the past? Yeah, actually, uh, Snyder came up with that way to ball program, and I was—I've been wanting to do it, but I just didn't really have a program. And then he, he worked one out for me, and I did it all off all off season. I think it's helped me out a lot. Tell me where you think it's helped, at least to this point of the year. Do you feel stronger than you would normally this time of year? Or are you seeing? Obviously, you've always had a really sharp slider. Absolutely, it's definitely definitely a lot stronger. I mean, I wouldn't say velocity wise, but I think a lot stronger uh, going into the spring training this early, at least. How do you think, will you use it during the course of the year? And if not, um, what types of things do you think, are, are you doing anything differently from that regard or in prepping for the year? Yeah, I'm still using the, the weight of balls right now just as a warm-up. And uh, just before I throw, it's it's more it's more like not being on that. When you get on the mound, you just kind of lob it, just get loose. After the weight of balls, I can get on the mound and I can just let one rip and I feel, it feels fine. The, uh, the type of role that you may be in this year obviously I'm, I'm sure you've seen that the Rays are going to use some multi-inning guys you would I would assume be one of the shorter type guys but show the ability to get more than three outs if needed absolutely you know I'm, I'm willing to do whatever they need uh, anything I need to do to help the team win I'm, I'm game you have pitched for several teams in this division does that help you to kind of know some of the hitters um, having played with some of them too definitely you know I mean with me being a journeyman, you know, going from team to team, I definitely take a take a look at that, all the teammates and everything, their the weaknesses and all that. So, I try to look at that, especially bouncing around. So, yeah, it definitely helps. I'm sure for your goal, you want to be able to stay in the big leagues all year and, and kind of establish yourself here. How much does a guy like Sergio Romo help? I know you're different pitchers, but you use a slider heavily. He uses a slider heavily. Different in terms of the way you throw, but he's been able to survive. And have you picked his brain a lot? Absolutely. Last year we've talked a lot, um, just the way he uses it, how he shapes it, different speeds, different locations, when to throw it out, out of the zone, when to throw it in the zone. And I talked to him a lot last year, and I think I got got a lot of help from him. Our fans probably still don't know you that well. Um, you seem fairly quiet by nature. How would you describe yourself, and, and how do you prep during the course of a game while you're in a bullpen? Do you wait till the fourth, fifth inning to go down there? What do you? What's your what's your normal routine? Yeah, I'm definitely more of a quiet, relaxed guy. I really don't talk much in, in bullpen. I just I go down there to begin the game and I stretch in the third inning and I'm ready from then on. That was Chaz Rowe, certainly an interesting piece of the bullpen and great to hear a little bit about his training methods for the upcoming season. We mentioned previously there were cuts, 14 of them to get the Rays down to 47 over the last weekend. I actually had a chance to speak to one of the youngsters who's going to play a major role going forward, but certainly not likely to be with Tampa Bay on opening day, barring injury, and that's Willie Adamas. And one of the things we discussed is where he's most improved. Like I feel really comfortable. I'm healthy. And, you know, I've been doing my, my thing and trying to do my, the, best that, the best that I can, you know, to, to try to make the team. You put in a lot of work in the offseason, including some time in Orlando. Let our fans know what you did and why you did it. Uh, you know, I came to Orlando because Barry Larkin, he's, he's been working with Lindor, D. Gordon, and those guys, you know, they got gold glove and platinum glove. And, you know, if they they working with him, it's because 
he got something special going on over there. So I, I, I came early to, to work with them, and he, he helped me a lot. They, they, they all helped me a lot, and I think that's why I feel more comfortable this spring. How? How did he help you? Uh, you know, in my defense, the, the way that they work over there, they work ethic is unbelievable. And the confidence that that group has is something amazing, man. And that they gave me that, and I, that's, 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 that's what makes me feel good. Anything that he changed? Footwork or anything you do different now or just more mental? Not really. I think it's just more mental. And, you know, you just... Just gotta work on and 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 the routine. You think you know, like the footwork is the same. Everything is the same. It's just my mental part is is more more confident, more confident. Adania Chavria is a pretty good shortstop too. What have you learned from being around him? Uh, we talk a lot, man. We talk every day, and he 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 just told me that take it easy at shortstop. Everything is calm down you know you don't have to rush anything and every day working with him every day it's it helped me a lot because you know when you see him every day taking ground balls you see the way that they work is it's crazy you know he, he don't miss ground balls and I trying to I trying to take that from him you know just be consistent in everything I, 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 I and everything that you do I'm sure he likes a lot about what you do but what do you like most about what he does on the field what do you learn uh, how to how to do the routine every day? Um, he do the same every day on defense, so I'm trying to do the same, and I trying to take that from him. You have there's a very young, good group of guys that won a championship last year, and some guys who didn't. You and Jake, and now adding Christian and some others to the group. What's the feeling of of you guys going forward? I mean, you've won a lot, and I know you want to come and help the big club win a lot. Oh, it's gonna be fun, man. When when we all together on the field. It's it's the atmosphere is crazy. It's it's just a winning a winning vibe. We all we always like since 2015 we've been winning a lot. And when when you win when you win it's fun, man. When winning is fun. So I think that the future looks bright for us. And I know a lot of people outside say they're not sure how the race are going to do. Do you guys kind of carry a little bit of a chip and say, hey, we get the chance, we'll show you that we're better than you think. I mean, of course, you know, we're just trying to get there and, you know, show them that we can do it and we can help the team a lot uh, and to win a lot of games. So we're just trying to do our thing, trying to do the best that we can in the spring and trying to show them that we can be there. I've asked you a lot about your defense, but how about your offense? How do you think you're growing as a hitter? I think I, I, think I grow a lot, you know, on my, uh, my plate discipline. I think it's, it's better now and I think I know... What I have to do, you know, to get a better pitch, to hit the ball, to the other world better. I think my offense is pretty good right now. That is Willie Adamas, and we thank him and Chaz Rowe and also Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times for being with us on our latest podcast. Countdown to opening day is coming up this weekend, where among our guests will be hitting coach Chad Matola and also Denard Spann, who certainly as a veteran can play a major role in the clubhouse and on the field too. We thank you very much for being with us. We'll talk to you soon.